Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and it's on this podcast that we explore God at work in Canadian cities. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Pastor Rob Good from Promise Church in Bradford, Ontario. This small city is a bedroom community nestled between Toronto and Barrie and has its own kind of urban. Uh, back in Season two, we spoke with uh, Corey Costera, another person that was uh, doing ministry in Bradford. So welcome, Rob, and uh, good, to, good to finally uh, get get this uh, interview together. I know I've been talking about it for a long time, so welcome, Rob. Thank you. I appreciate it. And are you in uh, your office? Yeah, we are a portable church, and so we have a single uh, single room office space that we also use as a studio, and uh, and so that's where I'm sitting. Very nice. In in uh, the recent renovations in our church, we uh, took an area where there were some offices and uh, knocked out walls to make a, a large student ministries room. So. I don't actually have an office anymore. I have a laptop, <laughs> a cell phone, and Wi-Fi everywhere in the building, and and uh, so I just uh, find a cozy corner, and uh, and that's where I do my work from. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, before before we talk shop uh, about all things urban about Bradford uh, and about. Uh, church and and all that tell us about the origins and the current life reality for rob good who are you rob good oh geez uh i am a i guess i i start off with with i'm a follower of christ um and i'm married i have an awesome wife she is a children's mental health therapist and uh and a christ follower as well and so we came together in 2008 and got married and uh, we're just blessed. We got two young kids, a 11 year old and an eight year old. And so they're both of them are girls and they're just they're awesome and lovely people. So, yeah, that's a little bit about I, me. I think I met your 11 year old up in Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great, great seeing uh, seeing your family there. And uh, um, where where'd you grow up and uh, journey so, to Jesus? What what did that look like? Sure, I was I was born in Oak Ridges, um, Lake Wilcox, to be specific, right on the shores of Lake Wilcox. What a, an interesting community that was. I was born in the eighties, early eighties, and. Uh, it's help a, help it's me out. Body. Where's Where's Lake Wilcox? Lake Wilcox is actually in Richmond Hill. Oh, okay. And it's uh, North 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 Toronto area. Yeah, yeah, north of Toronto. So, yeah. Oak Ridges is a is a small village inside of Richmond Hill, but then Lake Wilcox is a community around a lake, and uh, it's it was it was toronto cottage country in the 70s hmm. 50s 60s and 70s that was cottage country and so when i grew when i when i lived there in 1980 on um i lived in a four season cottage and so really really small place and uh now there are gargantuan places around the lake 
but back then it was just very small place. Uh, my grandparents and my uncles and aunts lived all over the streets, all around. And uh, it was it was really interesting. When I was nine years old, we moved to Newmarket, Ontario. So north, about 20 kilometers to a place that my dad said that he would never move to. Um, and, and in that time, we just we experienced a significant amount of poverty. Um, so I went from you know, we lived in, we owned a, a small cottage to, I lived in government subsidized housing, uh, in projects and in hard, harder places. And so in my teenage years, I would have qualified as an at-risk youth. Hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, that was very, very different, but at 16, I was at a youth conference, actually on my 16th birthday, I was at youth camp in Lakeshore Pentecostal camp in Coburg, Ontario. And God gave me a vision when I was not expecting anything. Hmm. And the vision was God's blessing. And, and I've come to see it like this. All these years later, I've come to see it like this. God's blessing was he gave me a life direction because I had no direction. And he gave me a calling because without a direction that God gave me, I was not going to make it on my own. And I've met many people who go, what's my calling? Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? And, and they're just so they're gifted and they're, and they've got like all these options available and they're like, God's not telling me anything. And I, and to those people, I feel like God has, has gifted you with, with such great capacity, go and find a way to serve God with me being an at-risk youth. I was, I was in a position of hopelessness and, and God went, here's a calling for you. And it gives you hope. It gives you a purpose and a future. And, and I've seen that dynamic happen in these conversations. When I talk about my calling, people feel pressure, but my calling was God's grace to me. Mm. And at 16 years old, God called me to be an evangelist uh, across Canada. And then at 16 years old, he said, start now. And, uh, and so I did, I got my, I got my Bible thick enough to choke a mule. I did not let it leave <laughs> my hand. I didn't let it leave my hand for any reason. I went to I went to school and I'm carrying my thick Bible marked up, duct taped Bible, and I'm walking into classes, putting it on my desk. I'm talking about Jesus to everyone. My nickname in high school became God Boy, and uh, what a, what a, an honor of a nickname, but also really really corny. And uh, so <laughs> so they call me God Boy in the school, and I'd be people's consciences, and I. And I hung out with the drug community and the and the gang communities, and they they tell me all these crazy stuff about their their drug journeys and whatever. And I'm like, I just wow, wow. And and they tell me all these stories, and and so I I gained a heart for the marginalized. Mm -hmm. And uh, and at 19 years old, I was given an opportunity to start a community youth ministry in a in a, in a government subsidi subsidized uh, subdivision that was not the one that I grew up in. And uh, and so I understood the context. I understood the culture. It was in Newmarket. And I went knocking on doors. I didn't know anybody in this community. There was 112 houses in the community. They're all townhomes in one circle. And I went and knocked on every single door. And I said, if a church were to show you how Jesus cares for you with no strings attached, what do you need? And the consensus of the community is we need something for our youth. And so I went back to my church. They said, we're going to rent you a youth. Uh, we're we're going to insure you and rent you a gym so that you can run a games program 
for the kids in this community. And we called it Refuge. And then I started four other refuge communities in Newmarket. And we just kept on building youth groups and building youth groups and building youth groups, just games oriented to show that Jesus cares with no strings attached. And, uh, and that was the beginning of my journey into ministry. So God's mm -hmm. call on my life, then it's refuge. And then, uh, and then refuge became so big that I'd gotten a retail job and I was working and whatever, but I couldn't manage refuge, which was volunteer and my retail job. And so I quit my retail job. Well, that didn't really work financially. Um, but God just took me on this journey of, of an entry into ministry that wasn't specifically normal. And, uh, and, I, and I just feel blessed by that. Well, it's interesting to me, this, this idea that, you know, God calls individuals um, in very unique, special, specialized ways. And uh, so when you're at camp at 16 and, and God calls you to, to be an evangelist. Um, what I, what I've often found is that sometimes there is the, um, the, 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 the first image of the vision that, that you get and um, you begin to uh, move into that picture that God's given you, you begin to respond and, and be obedient to it. Um, but um, sometimes that's, that's not the whole picture. Sometimes uh, that, that starting picture actually takes you down a, another road that you weren't foreseeing or, or planning or it didn't fit the original picture, but, but it, it does. And, and, and so there's, and then sometimes, um, there can be that, um, starting picture that, uh, that we end up coming full circle back to, um, I think about Abraham being called, you know, to, um, leave, leave where he was and to go to a far off country. And, and, uh, I wasn't really given a whole lot of details, but the picture was, that I'm going to make you the father of a great nation and you'll have so many descendants, you won't be able to count them all. And, uh, that was enough. That was all he needed. He needed that picture to, to get him to leave where he was and to start the journey. And, um, do you, do you feel like some of that's uh, at play in your life too? That is not only at play in my life, but it's also at play in the church that, uh, that God's led me to plant. So mm -hmm. right there is a foundational piece of, of our answer to the question of what on earth is God doing? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and it comes down to God offers to introduce himself. God often offers a promise. He mm -hmm. offers a vision, something in the far off future, something in the, like, in, I don't even know if I can believe it kind of promise. And God's like, I'm going to offer a promise that, that you're going to, uh, you're going to have the option to trust, you know, are you willing to trust me? And man, the amount of times that God's taken me to the position of, do you trust me? The amount of times that God took Abram to the position of, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. You know, like Abram and, and Sarah, the famous laughing moment, the famous, like, you know, this ain't going to happen, God. And, and the angel of the Lord's like, okay. 
by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And well, you know, what? Like, you trust me. And, and it, God takes us along this. What we've discovered is a cycle where he offers a promise. He then challenges us. Do you trust me? Will you put your faith in my promise and what I'm doing? And, and when we respond positively, we reorient our life and we follow after that. And that's what I did in my story. That's what Abram did, where he became Abraham. He followed God. And, and you're, you know, I wish that that was where it stopped. We just follow God and everything. And, and it goes on happily ever after, but it, it, it doesn't, does it? It's not like that. No, um, no. You, so, you, you follow and, and, and then you move into questioning. Right. Right. And, so, and, so you had, um, for, for any of our listeners that don't know your church, the church that you pastor is called promise church. And, uh, and you were the guy that uh, said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll pursue this with you. So, Take us, uh, take us into that story a little bit. How did, how did Bradford end up on your radar, and and what were the steps that you took to, um, tell us that story? Yeah. Okay. So I told you about my youth group refuge, mm-hmm. and that youth group put me on the radar of some of the other Pentecostal churches around, and. Uh, uh, Crosslands Church in Newmarket saw the work I was doing and they were like we need a youth pastor like this and we could pay him remember I said I left my job <laughs> right <laughs> and, uh, and, and I had no source of income and I said fine I could come and work for you as long as I could keep on doing refuge as well and they said yeah that's great and so I started working at uh, Crosslands Church as a youth pastor and and a children's pastor which was totally new to me I, I didn't know and and so yeah I'm like oh hi uh, learned how to manage people and 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 become a leader of volunteers, which if you've ever been a leader of volunteers, it's totally different than being a boss of employees. Um, it's uh, it's a lot more inspiring and 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 looking at what people are willing to give and then and then helping people fit into their their role that that benefits them as well as the organization. So I go do that and I learn how to I learn how to youth pastor. Refuge actually ends up getting taken over by the Salvation Army, and uh, and they took it over. They had a stronger infrastructure, and I entrusted them with that, and that kept on going for a whole bunch of years, and it was a blessing to the community. I'm going to come back to that in a minute in the story. But then uh, at, at Crosslands, I learned how to pastor, and I learned how to do all this stuff, and I'm getting interns from the Bible College, from Master's Bible College, and every year I'm getting another youth intern and teaching them how to be youth pastors and all this stuff but then they loved the church they kept on staying and so we got this like surplus of of bible college graduates at the church who they're just passionate about doing youth ministry but we're starting to get top heavy and so my lead pastor fred middle said rob we've got to have a conversation with all these graduates that are passionate about jesus and we have to get them thinking about church planting and i went right on let's do that so we started this little club that was it, it was based on the question of what would church look like if we didn't have 1600 years of church history if we just had the bible and you know the earliest expressions of church what would church look like today and uh and so forget about catholicism forget about the protestant reformation forget about all that let's just write back 
And so we started a discussion and every week we met for two, two and a half hours and talked and talked and talked and talked. Well, as we kept on talking, I discovered that God was planting a very unique vision in my heart that nobody else in the group was getting. And I was like, um, this is awkward. I'm the employed guy. We're looking to make spaces for you guys. And I'm getting the vision here. Yeah. So I started contacting the, the district and saying, hey, I've got this vision for a church plant. And they were like, yeah, let's start doing it right away. And uh, I went home and God just went, nope, not yet. And so uh, that, that vision, God wanted to bring to maturity. And so he said, no, you're not doing it yet. And so I kept on youth pastoring. And then God said, I, I felt the direction of the Lord for me to go and do my master's degree at Tyndale Seminary and take three years to research what does this church plant look like? And mm -hmm. so I did my entire degree. Every paper I wrote, every discussion I got into was about Promise Church. It didn't even have a name at that point. It was about the church plant in Bradford. Now, why in Bradford? Well, I lived in Bradford and uh, I was commuting to Newmarket to, to go to church and that was where I lived. And so it was, uh, that's what it was. And so Bradford was my home, is my hometown now where my girls are growing up. And that's, uh, that's why I chose Bradford. And uh, yeah. I remember when I first heard about you, Rob, and uh, <clears throat> it was through, um, through uh, our district and, and church planting and, and and I remember uh, the um, the uh, the length of time of preparation uh, that you were taking, and uh, it, it was so uh, unusual because usually uh, when somebody wants to plant a church, you know, there's there's a certain urgency to it, and you know, what do I have to do to get there? And you know, I'm I'm ready to go, you know. But uh, but with you, there was this other tact that was about no god wanted to mature a vision in you and uh before before saying okay go yeah. and uh and and that's 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 really unique and exciting um and so after all of that time of preparation and and thinking it through and maybe praying about it and, and maybe, talking maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> a little bit of prayer, you know, I hope um, my Bible once, I think, I mean, I was in seminary. We read yeah. books, not Bibles. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and knowing that you worked with Fred uh, metal, that, that all makes sense too. You were, you were working with the right guy to just to, to stretch your, your heart and your mind. Um, but, uh, so, so then, um, you know, then, uh, okay. The, the time of preparation is over. It's now time to, to initiate something. And, uh, so what did that look like? And, and uh, when was that? How long ago was that? So it, what did it look like? It was shocking. Um, <laughs> how long ago was it? Uh, we soft launched on July 8th, 2018. Mm. and uh we we had a small little uh room in the library in bradford and uh and we had 27 people come to church and uh and and you know it's it's really interesting after all that preparation i had no idea what i was walking into <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> so what what we we did know some some big things. I already started talking about that promise wheel that was promise, trust, follow, question, and then God God reveals his mission and it sends you around into a new promise. So that was that was foundational for who we are as a church. That is what we believe God is doing to disciple us. So we knew that. And we still know that. And so promise church, God is discipling. What else, what on earth is God doing? He is molding us and shaping us. And we are as pastors and as church uh, uh, church attenders, we are people who are being shaped by the spirit of God. Um and and the really good vivid imagery comes from Jeremiah 18 where God uh, where God says, go to the potter's house, and Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, and he sees the potter working at the potter's wheel, shaping clay, and the clay became misshapen, and then the potter crushed it down and started to create a new vessel. Hmm. And God's like, that's what I'm doing. And the wheel, the tools I use is this cycle of promise, trust, follow, question, mission, promise, trust, follow, question, mission, and it goes around, it shapes us. And I just, I love that image of, of spiritual formation where God is, is shaping us. So we knew that. That was one of our innovations. We had another innovation that was about, I wanted to see a Sunday service that was set a little bit closer to a synagogue style where you open up the scroll of scripture, you read it, and then you ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Hmm. <laughs> okay, so we did it. And there's, I think that day there were 30 people. And uh, we start the service. And all I was doing was opening up somewhere in Ephesians. And okay, so what is God saying to you? Well, I didn't do any studying in group dynamics and what happens when you open up a discussion to 30 people and how <laughs> actually truly unmanageable that truly is. So all the alpha males, literally within five minutes, the alpha males in the room, opposite sides of the room, are standing yelling at each other. <laughs> and i'm like what have i done what is i did not provide enough structure i didn't provide enough enough expectation it was just free for all and i was yep. like oh no so now we have uh refined it thanks to devin um devin looked at that service and he went that was a disaster and i was like that was a disaster yeah. And uh, and and we refined it into a system. And now every Sunday or every fifth Sunday, we have what's called a forum Sunday where we have discussion questions and small group discussions that then feed back to large groups that then have uh, we have a panel on the front of the church service and 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 we discuss the word of God and we actually get into controversy. We disagree on the panel mm -hmm. and the congregation has a digital platform in which to give their conversation we use slack now and they give their input into the discussions happening on the panel and the panel is looking at their slack and saying oh well someone in the congregation agrees with me because i'm more right and uh and says and and this is what they say and so the congregation's voice is heard we don't get alpha males you know yelling at each other in the room but we do get amazing like honestly uh we're now a church of about i'd say 90 to 100 people we get easily 200 comments on Slack every single forum Sunday. We now separate into different channels and great, great edifying conversation. And when I talk to somebody at the church afterwards and I say, hey, what did you get from the service today? They always tell me what they contributed because mm -hmm. it's what the Holy Spirit was working in them. Oh, that's and I'm fantastic. Like, wow, that's really cool. 
So what did we expect? What happened when we started? Well, we didn't really know what to expect, but we, we went with a couple of innovations and said, we're going to try to do things a little bit differently. And, uh, and then we had to refine and refine and refine and, uh, and, and kind of grow it into maturity. And we're still on that path. Well, I think, I think there's a, there's an appetite, uh, for that in our culture, uh, to have some intelligent conversations about difficult things. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's a tremendous amount of fear of having honest dialogue and, and yet you're being very intentional. You're, you're creating a forum where the church comes together and says, okay, let's, let's dig into this. So you've been doing that for a while now. What would you say, um, what are you learning about that, that? that model uh, what's what effect is it having on on people is it is it for everybody uh are there people like no that's uh, i just want somebody to to just give me all the answers so i can go home yeah so so what we're discovering because it's only one every five weeks and we do it as a bookend to the sermon series that just happened mm. so it's already attached mm -hmm. so once every five weeks we say here's the sermon, here's, here's what we've talked about, and all of the questions are related to that sermon series. Um, so now the people have had content given to them, so there is the safety net of just regurgitating. So um, it's we, actually an intelligent conversation, not just a, no, an echo yeah. chamber. Right, we're not blindsiding people with something. We're actually teaching first, then we're discussing. So that's one positive thing. The second thing we've discovered is if people want to be silent and just listen to the conversation, I remember back in youth group, we would get into Bible studies and there'd be four or five, six people having discussions, but then there would be people who were always quiet in the Bible study. And so they would come talk to me later and they would say, I'm quiet because I'm just absorbing and listening to so many different perspectives mm -hmm. and analyzing and I'm learning so much. Well, the same is happening in this context as well. When we get into these discussions, there are people who their personality is quiet. They're quiet. They're just absorbing. But when I talk to them, they're like, oh, that was so engaging. That was amazing to have this mm -hmm. type of discussion, to see that level of tension. So the first session that we did, I said that we structured it. So we structured it into the first session is a question based on a text that comes from the sermon series. Mm -hmm. So even if you haven't heard the sermon series, you have just heard the text. So the question is a question of the text. So you can engage with that just on a straight, you know, deductive reasoning. I can engage with this. Yeah. So it's a softball question that, that goes out there. That's like, here's the text that we're going to talk about. Here's your question. What do you make of it? And that gets discussion warmed up. Then session two is our polarizing discussion. So then we've taken the text or a topic related to the text, and we put one side here and one side here, and these are represented by people on the panel. And then the people on the panel master the conversation. They are the ones who are talking. Nobody else's voices are heard. The congregation can involve themselves digitally, but they're still just listening to the conversation. Right. And so they're not being put on the spot. So that's where we put the teaching. And when we structure it. I'll give you a little bit of the back of the background. When we structure that part of the tension, 
we, we do encourage the panel members to pursue their point, but we've already had the discussion and we know where we're going to resolve it. So yeah. we live in the tension until the last three to four minutes of the discussion. And then we start to, somebody puts out the resolving point. And then we start to rally around the resolving point. We start to go, oh, this is where we want to stand so that there's still a clear message coming out. Um, you, and then the third part is the application. Sorry. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, what would church look like if we didn't have 2000 years of history on top of it? And uh, and I, I, I think in in that forum, what that reminds me of Paul and First Corinthians 14 saying desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy and and he's not singling that down to just some people he's saying he's saying it to the church i wish yeah. i wish you all would speak in tongues i wish you all would prophesy um another place uh, paul talks about uh you know um that uh, you you all should be able to teach so that there's this um early church understanding that we're we're gonna um we're gonna discover the word of god together in community and yeah. and we're gonna wrestle with the text we're not you know it it's it's so different uh, in approach from kind of the um you know the um uh, what the monologue from the pastor with uh three generic points that uh could apply to absolutely everybody and and um you know and and telling us things that we've already heard before or things that we already accept you know just kind of well, well let's yeah. just review what we already know instead in a form like that you're saying no we gotta we gotta it's gonna take more than one of us to 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 bring this thing to the ground yeah and, and so one of the challenges with being Pentecostal, uh, this was introduced to me, I think it was Dr. Van Johnson in one of my Pentecostal courses in seminary, was if the Holy Spirit lives inside of every single individual, if we truly believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking and living in every individual, then what makes me so different than my congregation? And if I have the voice of God that lives in me, that God can speak through me, why is it not that God is speaking through the congregation back to us? And so your reference of 1 Corinthians 14 really does matter. We have, a, we have a, a saying in our church, and it's called lead spiritually. That's, that's what we say. We say lead spiritually, but we define it by saying bring God into the conversation, any conversation where God would not have naturally been spoken of. And you know what I'm talking about right? Like God isn't naturally spoken about when you're checking in with your neighbor, how they're doing. Right. And then, and then bring God into that. What does that do? It leads spiritually when you're, when you're, you know, filling up your coffee in the foyer at church and you're connecting with somebody next to you, you know, what naturally doesn't happen. We don't naturally start talking about God, even though we're in a church building, we talk about the week and work and how we're feeling and that we're tired or busy. But you can lead spiritually by bringing God into the conversation. And this forum is practice because if I go to church and I don't ever open my mouth because everything is happening on stage, I don't get any practice bringing God into the conversation. So when I leave church, why am I going to bring God into the conversation? 
if I'm not comfortable speaking about God at church, when am I ever going to be comfortable speaking about God outside of church? And so we're really, really working through that tension and developing a, an ethos where we want to be speaking about God freely and forums help with that so much. Hi, my name is EJ, and I want to invite you to come to Our City Conference on February 25th, 2023. Our City Conference is an urban ministry training event for people serving in urban ministry contexts. Our cities matter. Our city matters. In the 2021 census, it said that 73.7% of Canada's population live in urban centers. We are intentionally designing this event to help give urban ministry practitioners better tools on how they can serve their community better. We are praying that this event will not only encourage you and help you to serve your community better. We're also hoping that a bunch of us can get together and learn from one another. Register today, go to our website, ourcitytoronto.ca. We'll even feed you. Food is part of the registration. Our city, Jane and Finch. February 25th, 2023. See you there. So, so that would probably then speak to how Promise Church does evangelism. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so how does Promise Church do evangelism? How our uh, disciples uh, being called and, and made? Yeah. So this is a big challenging question. And, you know, the whole story, God's called me to be an evangelist. I'm working in non-Christian communities. I said I was going to come back to refuge in it in a couple of minutes. I, I invested years into this one community uh, where, where I went to every single house. I invested years into that community. I built that youth group up to uh, 64 kids and they're coming weekly. And oh my gosh, it was so cool. This last Sunday, someone came to church from refuge, came to Promise Church and clicked every box in our, in our set and said, I put my life altering trust in Jesus and I want to get baptized. And, you know, this is what I want. I, well, just before, sorry, not a year ago, just before it was three Sundays before the pandemic hit, a refuge youth walked into Promise Church and said, Rob, I've been looking for you for a few years. I finally found you and I want to get my life right with Jesus. I've been, I've become a, a an alcoholic and I want to get my life right with Jesus and walks into the church and now I'm actually taking him through a leadership, a spiritual leadership program where he's going to become a leader in our church because he's now been two years sober. Wow. And, and, and what have I learned about evangelism? I've learned that we need, Jesus walks into a community and he does, he creates a narrative through his action, the integrity of what he does. And then he proclaims a message. And so what we're teaching people at Promise Church is create that, that, that integrity of who we are so that we have a platform to speak the message of hope. That's what we did with, with Refuge. We created a platform 
of integrity. This is who we are. This is Jesus cares for you with no strings attached. And now we will share the gospel with you and invite you into that. Um, and so we're learning. We're still learning how to do it. We do have a mechanism, though. We're a big, innovative church and lots of different stuff going on. Uh, so we've talked about actually two of our main innovations. I'm about to hit on our third and final innovation. So I talked about the promise wheel. Talk about uh, the forum, which is it's a larger innovation called dynamic voice, where I just want people's voice coming back and forth. And it involves Slack. It involves the forum. The third one is our idea of grants. So Promise Church puts 10% of its income towards funding the mission of our people to have integrity in our town. Hmm. So God wants to make the world right. God wants to live with us. Those are the two overarching promises we find in scripture. God with us, Emmanuel, God making all things right, justice and holiness. We find those things in scripture through and through. And so in that, I say, well, we can't make God's kingdom happen here and now. It's established, but it hasn't been recognized what, or hasn't been fully realized. What we can do is we can foreshadow what it looks like. And so what we do with our mission money is we give people money to foreshadow what it looks like when God's making something right. And so we, we get people to partner with the church person, partners with a non-Christian to make something right in the community. Just today, we had a grant application come in from a hockey, uh, from a hockey club that's in some financial trouble and they want help doing fundraising. We're going to put a team together a Christian team together to work with this secular hockey team to do fundraising together. And we're going to probably contribute some funding to it and say, we want to help you make this right. Your hockey team needs to happen. It's in debt. We want to help you make it right. Mm. And why? Because that's the type of thing that God would do. So what are some other things that you've been able to um, uh, give grant monies to where it's it's being birthed out of uh, the people in in your congregation. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've we opened up this idea of doing street meet and greet, um, where 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 we say okay, so what we're going to do is community people living together in peace, experiencing experiencing just a moment of shalom, you know, they're living together in peace, is something that's lost in suburbia. We talked about Bradford and Bradford is a bedroom community and in bedroom communities, you open your garage, you drive your car in, you close your garage, you go inside your den, you know? Um, so we do street meet and greets and uh, we have members of our church invite their street to a, to, uh, to a barbecue party on their driveway. And then we pull up with the promised church trailer, unload the barbecue, unload the meat, unload the tables and the chairs and the tents and the everything. We come with all the food and everything, and we're like, hey, we're just throwing a street party. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years, and, and people are starting to look forward to when's your street party happening next? To the people of the church. Why does your church do that? And so it's the integrity. Um, what else have we done? We've done backpack filling for all the schools where somebody in our congregation said, hey, there's, there's a lot of poverty in our town. We want to fill some backpacks. Okay, great. So let's do that. We got kids together. We got parents together. We went shopping. It was crazy fun going shopping. We then put assembly lines, put all the backpacks, and then we started going to the schools and giving 
these backpacks to the schools and to the principals and saying, hey, we just want to let you know that Promise Church is a community that cares about the kids in your school. And, uh, and, and, and some of our kids wrote, you know, encouragement notes and God loves you notes, put them in the backpack, all the kids got them. So mm. we do a lot of like that traditional kind of like, hey, we want to help out. Um, what else have we done? We've done like, we've done just a bunch of fun stuff. We did a great, okay. we, we tried to do a grade eight grad uh, event where we rented, <laughs> this is awesome. We, we wanted to rent and I say wanted to because the story is tragic. Um, we, we wanted to rent the drive-in and uh, and have a grade eight grad at the first COVID graduation that was missed. We wanted to do a big grade eight grad at a drive-in. And uh, and and the uh, the drive-in owner was shady. And so we're oh, like, no. okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and he agreed to all this stuff. And we, we had this little contract written up and everything is good. And then he switches the movies from being you know, age appropriate for grade eights to not at all age appropriate for grade oh, eights. No. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? And then he just pulls the whole thing four days before. And we've already, you know, we've got a whole bunch of grade eights that we're looking forward to. And it gets pulled in the oh. year that COVID is happening. Awful. We oh. felt so bad. So then we just went and bought a whole bunch of Cineplex gift cards and gave them out to the kids. But sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but oftentimes the initiatives come together. They work. They care for people. They show integrity who we are, and they give us practice as being the missional people of God. Well, I think and, in in your mission wheel that you described, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of room to experiment and to try things. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You just smush the clay back together and you work on it some more, right? Exactly. And and, and I would think that that would be even though you were still new, it would be a good pathway through the pandemic too. Uh, it, it really was. It yeah. really, really was because our people, you know, we lost our services. Everybody lost their services, yeah. but we were able to centralize around. Yeah. Okay. We had our YouTube thing, but we had our Slack community and we had what we were able to do in the, in the neighborhoods around us that we were mm -hmm. still able to coordinate. So it did help us through the pandemic a lot. Do you feel that, uh, that that season that two-year season uh weakened uh your congregation or strengthened it oh it strengthened us for sure yeah it, just, it gave us a position of like understanding so we discovered that we were doing some things wrong in our grants our grant program was too rigid we needed to loosen it up a bunch we needed to find new mechanisms um so yeah we 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 just took the time as an investigative learning time and it really helped mature us as a church and bring more clarity to our vision. For example, before the pandemic, I couldn't tell you clearly, here are the three innovations that Promise Church has, because it was just Promise Church. It was all Promise Church. It's but still now, nice, like, just the idea, mostly. Right. The idea and a relationship. Right. But now it's matured into, no, we have three distinct innovations that I don't know of any other church that does this. Mm-hmm. And we understand them and we're studying them and we're learning them. I was working before staff meeting today and, uh, and, and I was working with our logo, which is our promise wheel. And another staff member came in and goes, oh, are you reinventing this again? And I'm like, no, I'm just learning more. <laughs> reinventing the wheel. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually just learning more about it. I'm learning yeah. more how it works. And that's what I feel. You know, we're four and a half uh, years in. And I'm like, 
I'm, I feel like I'm just starting to get a handle on what it is. And so, you know, the, the entry level to this, the entry part to this part of the discussion was how do we do evangelism? Well, right now we partner with people to be able to say, we're going to, we're going to foreshadow what it looks like when God's kingdom comes. And then we're building a relationship to invite them in. And, uh, and that's still a process that we're learning how to work. And, uh, and so we're excited about it. I like that, um, um, expression of, of evangelism. It's, it's not, um, reductive down to, um, just the, the content of a proclamation. It's, it's, it's a foreshadowing of shalom. It's, it's, it's the message that Jesus preached that the kingdom of God yeah. is, is among you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so here's the crazy thing you as a, as a minister, you're like, I get it. I like, you just put that in your own words. And I, and every word you just said resonated with me because I know that you get it. We now have 13 Bible college trained people in our congregation. We have retired pastors in our congregation because they're like, yeah, I get it. And we've, got, <laughs> we've got a whole bunch of people who are like, what do, what do you mean? We're not doing this. Like, like church is always done. And I'm like, there's something weird going on. So there's a little bit of that where it's like the some of us are like, yes, I can just I get it and I get excited about it. And other ones are like, who what? So there's something yeah. of church inertia that yeah. that you know, there's the way you do it, and then there's the way you don't. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> we're learning. We're learning and growing. So I yeah. wish I could say, hey, here's the model that everybody should do, and we're gonna just it, it'll work everywhere. No, it's going to take a heck of a lot of work to make us not centralized around Sunday, but centralized around a, uni a unified mission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it's still going to take work, but we're learning how to do it. I, I don't know. I wish I could be more like, this is how evangelism is. And we're, we're reaching <laughs> thousands of people. But my refuge story says, be consistent. And 20 years later, these people will come to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's that, not efficient. That's not efficient. <laughs> that yeah, that's that's the the long, the long play. That's yeah. that's uh, thinking beyond the urgent, the immediate. I mean, that's also how you planted Promise Church. You didn't you didn't go for the shortcut. You didn't rush to the to to the starting line. You you. You prepared yourself to get to the starting line. Yeah. yeah. Is there a, is there a risk of not being urgent about anything, or is no. that even a risk? No, that's not a risk. So there's commitment that a pastor asks for from their congregation, and there's content that you give. Right. Mm -hmm. You only have a very limited amount of time, and so. I have actually invested more in asking people to commit to the mission than I have in teaching the content of biblical studies. Mm. And so, so this balance here, now I mentioned I've got 13 people who are Bible college trained. So I'm actually going to get them to start teaching content while I continue to wave the flag of, we got to do this mission. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. The church in Canada is learning that it has to restructure itself. And I believe the church in Canada has reduced itself to a message and an, ideo an ideology mm -hmm. rather than facilitating a genuine mission. 
And I believe a lot of the change happens in the work of facilitating mission. And, and that's hard because mission means high commitment. It means people coming to church aren't coming to be consumers, but coming to say, how can I serve? How can I help? Not just in the helps ministries, but outside of the structure of the Sunday service. And pastors, any pastor knows that running a Sunday service, running a church program and all the church programs is an exhausting job. So what room do I have mm -hmm. to facilitate the work outside of the church? That should be a parachurch organization. I'm like, maybe actually we should be getting volunteers running the, the, the ministry of the church and the pastors focusing on how do I facilitate qualitative mission work in the community? Mm. I don't know. That's just, that's kind of my philosophy of ministry is well, I'm coming at it. If I could take everything that you just said and put it on a t-shirt, I would totally wear that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but it would take a long time for people to read it. <laughs> well, and that's the problem because yeah. in, in, we want to we want to condense it down, don't we? We want to make it so simple. And, and you know where we learned that? We learned it in the, in the industrial revolution. Hmm. Yeah, we yeah. learned it in the industrial revolution. Everything right. needed to be brought down to its simplest form so that it could be mass produced. Right. And then the church went. That's brilliant. Let's do that to evangelism. Mm hmm. I'm 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 starting a, a series January 1st in Romans. So I'm gonna preach through Romans January to April. I know it's a pipe dream, but I'm gonna try. And uh and so January 1st is Romans 1 verse 2. And Paul starts to explain the gospel and he goes, the gospel that was promised beforehand through, you know, all of the old testament. Oh. That's, and we want, uh, that takes a little while, that Old Testament. Right? We want to right. reduce the gospel to one sentence, five nice words that go on a t-shirt. And Paul starts the book of Romans and saying, yeah, I'm going to talk about the gospel. You know, the one, the whole corpus of scripture. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, we've made it so simplistic. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and so part of what I want to do is I want to reintroduce the complexity if here's my logic if the modern man can follow the logic of game of thrones mm. the modern man can follow the truth of the old testament and the new testament gospel story we don't we're not stupid no you know um the author of game of thrones george i forget his last martin. name pardon martin martin george martin he created complexity yeah. and the church has been afraid of complexity so no you can't put that on a t-shirt yeah. <laughs> hey who's who's in the room with you oh devin is is behind me sorry De you can hear devin me. works with you anybody devin else is, in the room uh, uh nope nobody else is in the room uh, right now swing swing can you are you on a laptop can you swing it around and we can say hi to devin you can say hi to devin okay hey devin hi, how are you <laughs> good good i think uh i remember meeting you when i was up visiting in bradford was it you yeah. i met I think so. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the, um, the house office. Yes. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. What I remember about when I came to visit you guys was that you had this, this whole rack 
that was a charging station for for all the tablets and iPads that uh, that you guys uh, use in your uh, in your services. Yeah, um, handing them out to people. I was was that part of your uh, innovation? Uh, involved in that? Uh, yeah, yes, I guess so. Yeah, that was. Yeah, kudos. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. Hey, um, so Rob, um, yeah, tell tell me, um, um, what what's uh, what what are some of the uh, nutrients that uh, that you're taking in your own spiritual formation? Are there podcasts, uh, networks, relationships, learning opportunities, books? Like, what's what's kind of um, keeping you fresh? Yeah, I've, uh, I, I, you know, I, I read and then I studied um, Canoeing the Mountains, which was a really, really good book by Todd Bolzinger, um, where he refers to leadership on the line, good to great, um, a whole bunch of other books. I read that and then I read all of the source material for this, what I'm just mentioning. And I found inside of COVID, that was a big piece of, of, of information and of growth. Um, I'm, I'm consistently reading through the prophets. Um, I don't know why I keep on reading through the prophets, but there's something of God's message of, of the, when God speaks to Israel, God's speaking to the church. It's not replacement. It's just, that's how we can apply it. We can go through the proper appropriate, uh, the proper, uh, uh, cultural ladder and, and, and bring our hermeneutic to it. But we we become so comfortable and accidentally worship other gods, cultural gods of success and entertainment. And, you know, even that reduction of the message is that's a cultural thing that we've inherited. And and so reading the prophets, um, just to be reminded of that all the time. And then uh, and then I have individual people that I that I meet with that I'm like, OK, we have regular ongoing meetings where we pray for each other and encourage each other and so that's uh oh, that's good. yeah i don't i don't do anything online i don't do youtube very often i don't mm -hmm. do uh i don't have any podcasts i've never never gotten into that oh anymore. i i know a podcast that you should listen to i know this one right like it's, <laughs> it's good. and and i have actually listened to out of out of all the podcasts in the world i have actually listened to uh, a few of yours um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, really, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't think I've ever subscribed to a podcast channel and said, this is my podcast. Some people yeah, do. Yeah. I, just, I don't no, I read books. It's not, not for everybody, but the, 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 the key thing is that we all uh, find these um, nutrients, right? These yeah. things that, that feed into us. And um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, this is uh, for anybody that's uh, going to be listening to this one. This one is nutrient enriched. This, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this is some muscle milk for the church oh, right here. <laughs> I, you know, some people are like, man, don't you ever have a normal conversation? No, 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 I don't. My no. wife, my wife, I feel so sorry for her because she's like, Rob, stop. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I. I'd be happy to hop in a car and drive from coast to coast talking with you, Rob. I love uh, love your mind. I love your heart. Um, I, one more question uh, for you, and uh, that's that's about 
um, the church in the city of Bradford, uh, the local churches that uh, inhabit your city and uh, the the surrounding region. Um, <clears throat> are you um, getting any sense of what uh, the spirit is saying collectively to the Bradford church? Um, do you are you finding uh, a high degree, a low degree, a, a mid degree of of unity in the in the faith groups? Um, and uh, what kind of conversations, any conversations going on between between the churches? what what are what are people feeling and seeing and bringing yeah. to the ground? When it comes to churches, I love I love the churches. Bradford has struggled for years. We are in between Newmarket, which has a whole bunch of really good professional churches, and Barrie, which has a whole bunch of really good professional churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we're a commuter town. So people commute to church. And so the, the churches in Bradford are very, very small. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, within one year of planting, um, we became the largest evangelical church in town at 100 mm -hmm. people. Wow. And so there are nine evangelical churches in town um the evangelical and and mainline churches in town put together there's nine mm -hmm. of us um covid has put a near fatal blow to three of them mm. um one of them just announced that they're closing and uh um the baptist church actually is is just announced two weeks ago they're closing and uh so there has been a lot of working together a lot of uh sometimes commiserating <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and sometimes mission work together and so we're we're doing we're doing really well but there's a there's a new thing happening in our town which is different um there's a sect of islam that is centralizing in bradford hmm. and so it's the, one of the most strategic the Ahmadi? yeah the amadi yeah um they're, they've made a strategic move to centralize in Bradford. And instead of just saying, hey, guys, we're, we're planting a, 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 sorry, a mosque in Bradford. No, they say to every one of their members, buy a house in Bradford. Hmm. We bought a land. We're going to build a synagogue. Uh, sorry, I keep saying synagogue. We're going to build a mosque and we're going to build a seminary. Hmm. And so they're going to build a mosque and a school. They have property. And hundreds of Muslims are moving into my town. I assume and, I assume they're uh, coming out of Vaughan. Yep, Vaughan yep. and Woodbridge, and yep. moving into my town on mass, like hmm. huge influx. And I just think that's so cool because this group of Muslims, they, they're they're saying is is love for all, hatred for none, hmm. and uh, uh, and and they're not part of the. If I under if I've understood correctly, they're not part of the mainstream Islam. They're actually kind of like a kind of like a, a fringe sect. Um, yeah, they're uh, not. Some some in Islam would consider them to be a sect, like Christians would think of Jehovah's Witnesses. You yeah. Know, well, they they they're not they're not uh, true true Muslims. You yeah. Know, that that's how other Muslims would view them. Yeah. Right. And and a lot of it comes with the accusation that the that their perception of Allah is a lot more loving and 
collaborative and inclusive, mm. you know, love for all hatred for none. And, and I look at that and I go, these guys are on the cusp of an understanding of a revelation of Jesus. Mm. You know, remember, I'm not all about love, love, love Jesus with, with Jesus, because I do believe that, that God is judge and the person of Jesus. And when Jesus mm -hmm. comes, he's going to remove all evil and make all things right. But there is a, there is a radical inclusion that Jesus offers that I'm like, these guys have an understanding that I am looking forward to finding ways to communicate the love and the promise of God through the person of Jesus to this community that's establishing in town. And do you, do you know, uh, uh, do you know, Johnson, um, uh, Johnson, uh, used to be one of our mission Canada workers and, uh, he, um, was, uh, very involved in, um, studying, um, with the Ahmadi in, in Vaughan Woodbridge, uh, and, and hosting, um, uh, Christian, uh, Muslim dialogues, uh, where they would have, um, a, uh, a topic, they would do a forum and, uh, they would do a, a topic that would be relevant to both Christians and, and Muslims. Uh, and they would have a Muslim speaker and a Christian speaker, and they would debate uh, on, on those issues. And they had uh, you know, up to a thousand people in attendance. Um, anyways, if, if you don't know Johnson, I need to, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a, a friend request to Johnson. I think you'd, he'd, you'd like to, You'd like to talk to Johnson and hear some of his experiences about uh, the Ahmadis. That would and, be awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, and uh, the the beautiful thing about your mission wheel is that uh, if if what what's happening right now just comes to naught, then you get to smuck it all together and <laughs> spin it some more and and see see what comes out next. And I love that. So good, uh, right? Yeah. There's so yeah. much grace in it. I don't have to get everything right. Yeah. Even, even the term foreshadowing the fulfillment of God's promises. That's such a blessing because I'm not the kingdom of God. No. I'm foreshadowing, pointing to it. Yeah. Jesus is coming. He's a soon coming king. He's going to make it happen. I show you a little bit like there is there is no okay it was like that but better yeah. yep. you know and that's pressure's off right yeah yeah well, thank god for that <laughs> yeah well blessings to you rob and uh and all the gang at promise church and uh be uh be curious to revisit uh, and and talk again sometime and uh hear hear what else uh, emerges out of out of this pursuit and uh, so thanks so much for being on and uh, in the show notes i'll uh, put links uh, to promise church so people can find you thanks rob thank you i appreciate the time rob good from promise church what a great guy on our next episode i'm going to be talking to denise monroe denise uh, is at embassy church in the uh, oshawa area and uh, She's involved in a lot of community ministry and uh, has some great insights that she'll be sharing. So come on back. Until uh, the next episode, I'm Kevin Rogers. You're listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.